You're listening to What She Said, a podcast about blogging, creativity and life online hosted by me, Lucy Lucraft, a freelance journalist and blogger based in Brighton. Hi, Flora. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Very excited to speak to you. Oh, nice. Thanks. Me too. (laughs) So for anybody who doesn't know who you are, can you please introduce yourself and then just give us a a bit of a brief rundown of your blogging journey to date? Sure thing. Um, So I'm Flora. Um, I run a website called Flora the Explorer, um, which has been running since 2012. Um, And I first started blogging solely about travel. And that was when I was backpacking in India and then in South America for a long time. Um, and over the last few years, it's kind of switched somewhat more into kind of personal narrative, um, a lot to do with like grieving and mental health, because both my parents have now sadly passed away. Um, my dad last year. So that's kind of taken over my site somewhat recently. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to kind of write stories and um, narrative driven um, articles, really delving into kind of more what I'm thinking about a place rather than just the surface level stuff that the place offers I think that's probably what you're uh, in fact not probably that is what you're known for is <laughs> your very long form um what I consider to be I have to be a bit careful to say this proper travel writing so Thank and I, I don't I don't write like this either but I as in I don't write I'm not a proper travel writer but I see <laughs> I see your writing as the travel writing that made me want to be a travel writer Oh, you know, it's lovely. storytelling and narrative and yeah, you do have practical tips in there as well, but there's no, I think you're often hailed as someone who doesn't write for SEO, which yes, is a dubious accolade because it's, it's I mean, kind of incorrect in that you're, you are writing, you're not writing under it, you know, and, and asking Google not to show you, but yeah, I understand why people say that you don't do top, you know, listicles and I really don't. And I mean, to be honest, that's where blogging gets more difficult for me because I think we both started a fair amount of time ago. Um, and when I first started blogging, I remember meeting people and there was just like other bloggers and stuff at, at conferences and things. And it was still such a new thing. And nobody was really concerned about SEO and traffic and analytics and all this. I mean, there wasn't analytics really to look at except for in WordPress. And I never really bothered thinking about that stuff. I remember writing articles from when I was in India, writing the most obscure titles for things because they made sense to me and I found them funny. <laughs> so I remember writing about Pushkar once and I'd literally called it like, because we'd, we'd, we'd celebrated Holi the day before or the week before or something. And I'd written an article called like Coloured Powder and Gandhi's Pocket Watch because I'd picked up this weird watch that looked like Gandhi's in a charity shop. And like that made sense to me and it was really funny. And of course, thinking back now, like nobody will ever find that article. No one will know it's about India at all. And that's now a problem for me because my traffic drops quite significantly because I write stories. I don't write how to lists or like advice or whatever, Um, which is a bit sad because obviously I want traffic. But also the response I get from people who enjoy stories and enjoy like narrative that they get lost in. I mean, that kind of feedback is really great. It's just obviously slightly lesser now, I think. Yeah, and you're human, you know, we can all say, oh, we know it's not, they're not, it's vanity, it's a vanity metric and it doesn't matter. And we can all say numbers don't matter. Yeah. But actually, actually, when you work in an industry where that is what is measured a lot of the mm. time, um, it's 
it's only reasonable to feel a bit crappy when you know that you're putting as much if not more effort into your posts as anybody else and Mm. you're physically not going to be able to get the same traffic um even though I imagine your bounce rate and all of those other great metrics are going to be so much better because people are going to stick around on your website a lot longer. I mean, you say this, but I have zero idea how to check these things. I've never known. <laughs> Laura. <laughs> Going into the back end of websites and looking at these things, I, just, I have no idea. But no, what I do find interesting actually is like, and you you have done a lot of this stuff and like talked about this online a lot, but like there's been a, quite a few times, particularly dealing with like a parent, like my dad was dying for about eight months and then the last year of like grieving has been really tough and obviously it's really hard to like talk about positive shiny happy travel things on social media when you're going through something awful um and I tried my damnedest to just kind of stick into shiny happy travel things on social media and then realized that I just didn't want to do it and I couldn't be bothered and I remember kind of watching my Instagram in a very separate separated way just watching followers drop off because I wasn't posting but it made me feel at the risk of using a very cliched word I felt much more authentic because the things I was writing were about how I was actually feeling and I wasn't posting when I didn't feel like posting and I think the stress of like you know quantity over quality all the time on so many people's channels just gets really overwhelming and I don't really believe it a lot of the time because I think a lot of people are going through stuff and don't want to say that so they just put a veneer over it instead and I think think people are getting wise to that now yeah I think so and I think there's something to be said for sharing whenever you feel comfortable to do so I I do understand we've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast recently Mm. that having that privilege of Instagram particularly not being your full-time job means that you can take a chunk of time out or or yeah like how we post we'll post about literally what we're feeling and I'll be very honest in my captions and that's because Mm. I don't I'm not bankrolled by it so yeah that's very true it is easier but at the same time I do think you get a better connection when you're honest and vulnerable even if it feels a bit icky (laughs) it's for me it's less about the icky feeling and more about the like trying I mean people are always talking about you know finding your audience and stuff and I seem to have got a much smaller audience than I did when I started and that's obviously a bit disconcerting but then again there's the people who've just commented every single time I wrote I write something for the last six years and they're essentially like your I guess your core audience and the core people you're talking to and what I have found recently which is kind of overwhelming in a way but also really humbling is having written a few articles about grief I've had a lot of messages from people saying that they didn't know where to go and then found articles I've written and then got really in depth in a message about what they're going through with you know losing somebody or often like someone they're with has lost somebody and they don't know how to kind of get in and like find out if they're okay and stuff and I don't know it kind of feels a little like I'm transitioning from travel like just doing travel writing to kind of more mental health and grieving stuff just because it's more pertinent to me at the moment and it's kind of we were saying before like quite deep stuff and I like talking like that I I find it hard to just talk superficially or write superficially yeah which makes total sense and and also the place that you're in now so you talked about grief a little bit before your dad died because your mum died when you were quite young Mm -hmm. um so I, I do remember you talking a bit about it then but then having to go through 
essentially nursing your dad and then and then yeah. him dying before before you were 30 right yep yeah so that's a really Perfect. unusual situation to be in and a really shit one as well <laughs> it is shit <laughs> it's very shit but shit. I think it has given me a huge amount of perspective on like how people deal with grieving and and I'm sure people who listen to your podcast have heard the grief cast but just if they haven't quick plug because the grief cast is just the best podcast I've ever listened to apart from yours (laughs) I Um, think it is better you can say it's better I think it's better (laughs) it's just it's phenomenal and it's run by a woman called Carrie Ed Lloyd and she's just she lost a dad when she was 15 and it's weird like I'm pretty sure you get so you I mean you can be so arrogant about your own emotions like my mum died when I was 20 um it's coming up to 10 years in January it'll be 10 years since she died and when I was 20 so yeah a decade ago like dealing with grief in a kind of you know UK wide or even globally like it wasn't talked about and it wasn't addressed at all and like I remember going to a therapist at my at my uni because I was at uni at the time in my second year and I had one meeting with a the therapist who made me sob like crazy at like three in the afternoon when I wasn't feeling sad she like promoted the, the like talking about sad stuff and I just thought it was ridiculous and so I stopped going um and then just kind of like shunned all concepts of therapy because nobody told me it was something I should do and nobody explained the benefit of it and now people are so much more open to the idea of talking about mental health and talking about like being depressed but also the ways that you might get to depression and and that's definitely what happened to me like I I never really addressed my mum's death when she died and when my dad passed away I kind of had like a double whammy and like basically spent the last year kind of dealing with both of their deaths instead but it is really surprising when I get messages from people if I just talk very briefly about a therapy session on Instagram stories for instance and then I'll get like five six messages from people saying oh my god you go to therapy what kind of therapy like how did you find someone I don't really know how to look for a therapist but I really like to and it's just really amazing to me that it's getting more and more normal and common to like talk about not being okay in your head which yeah I just think it's so important and people people are really I'm really happy that people are finding it a bit easier to talk about but do you think because I think it's interesting that when you post about something like that that people will be like oh my goodness and then also ask you a lot of questions privately because I think yeah. that actually signals how little normal in you know in quotation marks people yeah. <laughs> talk about going to therapy actually yeah I think you're right I think the fact that it's all quite private mm. is I, I again I'm kind of in a in a very skewed um realm with it because I've, I remember I was um in Bali a few weeks ago and I changed my Instagram profile to saying like often talks about grief and mental health just because <laughs> I thought like I finally needed to put it somewhere because currently like everything I have is just like I write about travel and like nothing about the stuff that I really do want to talk about a lot at the moment um but yeah, I think you're right. Like people are still very private about reaching out. But I guess the difference is I would never have reached out. I would never even thought about it when yeah. I was when I was 20. And there was no like parameters for it. Like nobody had kind of I didn't know anybody who'd been to therapy, for instance. And yeah. I didn't like even my dad, like none of my friends had parents who knew therapists like it wasn't a thing. And I think, yeah, maybe now just I'm more aware of it. So other people are more aware of it by proxy. But 
But I think that's a testament as well to how you're just an open book and in mm. a very accessible way talk about um, talk about your mental health and grief and, and you, you don't put a veneer on things. So that invite that gives other people permission to and makes them feel safe to come to you, because I'm sure there are yeah. lots of people who talk about it, um, and maybe maybe in a performative way. I don't know, um, not grief necessarily, but mental health, um, and and yeah. that doesn't necessarily invite confidences in. I don't think. Yeah, that's interesting actually, because I have found myself following more and more people who. I mean, for my own resource as well, like people who've who've discussed like anxiety or depression, mm. like, I I get very anxious now, and I didn't used to, so that's been quite a big shift to to kind of get get around. But yeah, I guess it's sometimes a bit tricky because people will just kind of say that they're going through something, but not necessarily make that approachable. Mm. And it might it might also be because people are fighting their own battle, and that's really hard for them. So they're they're willing to mention it's going on, but not willing to like be a source of help for other people necessarily yeah which I think you know that's fair enough it's understandable it? oh, yeah. Completely, yeah, completely. yeah you've got to protect yourself in especially when it comes to mental health I wanted to ask you how how you found because I think when when you've been we both knew each other as straight up travel bloggers but hmm. I started going through a bit of a transition away from travel blogging before you probably and yeah. And you're going through one now, not necessarily away from travel blogging, but away from I am a travel blogger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is definitely. what I'm, I'm in that box. How mm. have you found it? Because for me, I found it really, really hard. I, surprisingly hard to let go of, um, surprisingly hard and surprisingly emotional to let go of my travel blogging identity, even oh. down to it's WTM at the moment which for the uninitiated is world travel market and I'm not going this year because I live in Brighton now and it's in London and I've I've gone for the past five years which is a long time yeah (laughs) let me tell you and oh god it is it's full on it and and, but great great and all my you know a lot of my travel blogging friends are there and um there's sorts of parties and it's really good fun as much as it is quite awful um because <laughs> yeah. it's a big conference very achy feet, very achy, feet. Very achy feet and you get very bored of giving your elevator pitch oh, but I found a real I found it really hard I had to mute stuff about WTM on Twitter oh love yeah I know <laughs> but isn't that sad like <laughs> but I think it's like <laughs> I've I'm could totally go to WTM and I've thought about it and I might go tomorrow I'm not sure but like Every single year I've gone without fail, even if I've had meetings with with um, brands and like people who don't know about WTM, like you'll you'll make appointments with with tourist boards and and destination representatives and like chat about the potential of you going places. Like I remember I went to an interview, I went to a meeting with someone from a Mexican like eco resort thing who were really keen to talk to me, and I had like a full half hour like meeting with them, and it was all like yeah 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 I'm gonna do things. And then nothing transpired mm. from it. Like I chased them and like nothing happened. And and I've pretty much only ever gone to conferences to meet friends, really, yeah, like yeah. make friends and meet old friends. And I guess what maybe is slightly easier for like on my end for like transitioning away from just being a travel blogger is the like ace in the pack of my parents died. Like I don't really care what yeah. other people think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good point yeah <laughs> which is difficult if you're 
if you're you're switching to a niche that's something you're kind of testing the waters of like you know doing ethical ethically conscious stuff and, and being much more eco-friendly and all those kinds of things are like you were trialing your life going that way as well yeah. I guess whereas for me I've been like thrown this situation that I'm living anyway and I guess on that end it's a bit easier to just be like well screw everybody I'm not talking about travel anymore I'm just going to talk about mental health yeah. but I think the, the nice thing is to be able to encompass traveling into that as well and and what I think I might try and do at some point is talk more about what you do go through when you travel like mm. mental health wise because that's important and people don't I think a lot of people always just I remember writing an article a long time ago about like being really scared about traveling solo but doing it anyway and I had a few responses from bloggers who were just like I just don't get scared when I'm by myself I just don't get worried or like did like find it hard or get nervous and I'm like really like what how is that possible and I suddenly realized that maybe I'm just like different to them mm. I just assumed that everybody like had massive pangs of what if no one likes me like oh this hostel's really busy and everyone looks cooler than me like all this stuff turns out not everyone thinks like that who knew I didn't know I presumed no. everybody felt like that <laughs> exactly I know but that's my point I think people who can kind of do straight up like look at me I'm a big brash blogger like in a great way but that's the people you aspire to be like if you're like worried that you're a bit nervy whereas I'm on the other side of it like I'm a bit nervy and I do it anyway so there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think that is stuff that um, not enough people talk about is the side of travel that yeah, it's amazing it's amazing it's so much fun but I liken it to this is the analogy I always use and I wonder if you'll feel the same so mm. if someone says to me what's your favorite country I'd probably say India because it's just, and then, or if they say, would you ever recommend going to India? What's it like? I'll, I'll see it immediately say, oh my God, it's amazing. You have to go. You'll love it. It's just magical and colorful and the food is amazing. The people are amazing. But when I was in India, I did not you feel like it. that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I need to get out of this country. You're driving me mad. Everyone needs to stop oh. touching me. <laughs> and stop staring stop staring I don't want a picture leave me alone <laughs> oh my god see it's extraordinary because yeah I usually say I usually say, I can't pick one I'll go for three and I usually say India Bolivia and Iceland just because they're like very different very different qualities. yeah they've all got qualities I love what is of course extraordinary is that both in India and Bolivia I had some of the worst mental times of my life, but not realizing that I was like having mental mm. difficulties. Like I remember being like so depressed in Bolivia, traveling by myself. And I remember being in a hotel because I was trying to learn Spanish and was doing like one-on-one -on -one classes. So I'd opted not to stay in a hostel. So I'd like actively put myself in a non-sociable environment. And then I was just in a, ho in a hotel room, like a like skeezy hotel room. And I heard a couple like having sex in the room next door and was like, oh my God, I feel so alone. <laughs> Oh my god and I was so depressed and I remember having a massive like what the hell are you doing with your life Laura like why are you still in South America bumming around why aren't you in London working a job like all this stuff and got really really upset and angry with myself and yet I'm still like Bolivia is great I love Bolivia it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> it's extraordinary it really is we're very good at rose tinted stuff right yeah and I think never more than when you're when you're traveling somewhere really really intense and also for an yeah. intense amount of time because when you're mm -hmm. when you're traveling long term backpacking for a big chunk of time it's the highs are so much higher and the lows are so much lower because you have yeah. 
you you do it kind of equal parts fast um, and have way more downtime and kind mm-hmm. of boring, boring. <laughs> Some of the train journeys that I did in India were like two two days long. And when anybody asked me about trains, I'm like, oh my God, they're amazing. But I remember clearly, so, so clearly having a poo on a train in the squat toilet and, you know, just seeing it drop down on the tracks. That yeah. is a low moment. And cockroaches kind of around my feet. That oh is my God, the a low moment. <laughs> and it's, but it's so strange as well because, you know, when you're like in hostels and stuff, when you're traveling and you kind of you swap war stories mm. of like, oh God, you know, I had this awful train journey and someone else is like, I can trump that. Like I had an even worse like plane ride through this part of the world. And you always do like the really negative stuff. But then when you're like, I guess maybe it's the, the curse of being a blogger is that, you know, the automatic is to be much more positive about yeah, things. Yeah, I think That's so. also something else that really pisses me off about blogging now is that, like, when I first started doing it, there was no kind of category that you had to fit into. It was never, like, you know, you go to Cuba for six days and you're like, I've written the most, like, in-depth, exclusive guide to the entire island and you'll learn everything from me. Like, that was never a thing that we did. It was just, like, you wrote about where you were and that was all. Do you think that you've got rose-tinted glasses, though, about it? Because I remember when I started travel blogging, which is 2013, um, mm. so not too long after you, going to a Tbex, and people yeah. were very much starting travel blogs to make money um, oh, God, already. Yeah. They were all, yeah, like they were already talking about SEO and analytics and all of those sorts of things and people were already carving out those niches those kind of inauthentic niches where they do exactly what you're saying go somewhere on a press trip for two days stay somewhere that nobody else would be able to afford to stay and then they're the expert (laughs) on the area (laughs) (laughs) oh it grinds me so much Mm. but actually (laughs) yes that's a wonderful um realization that yes I'm definitely rose tinting <laughs> countries that I hated and also blogging when I started <laughs> I think also I just very much put my head in the sand for mm. a very long time which is why I still make like no money from my website because I was always really pious and I'm like I'm not going to have advertising and then realized that I don't know how to do affiliate and I don't work with enough people to like actually make money so it's um yeah it's a bit of a sticky one and also <laughs> the fact that my, my writing is definitely not SEO driven so Again, like I just went to Bali and like all the things I want to write about Bali are just like stories. And then in the back of my head, I'm like, I need to write, you know, eight unique things to do in Bali, don't I? Because that's how you're going to you're going to get people to read. But they're not things that come naturally to me. Like yeah. whenever I've tried to like do copywriting as a job, I find it really hard because yeah. I'm being such a tortured artist. But I don't really find it very easy to write things that are really formulaic like I tend to just want to write about myself in situations god that sounds awful no not at all no because I think why I I mean I'm the same as you I started a travel blog because I wanted to write about my travels exactly my life I didn't want to if I'm honest and I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before I'm not one of those people that can say I write about travel because I want to help you to travel honestly I don't really care how you travel (laughs) (laughs) if I help you then that's great but that is the byproduct of why I'm writing now now it's different the stuff that I'm writing about is different because I'm doing it way more as a resource and to help people but still ultimately there are posts where I'm just writing for the joy of writing I think that's okay (laughs) I think that's perfectly okay and I think that's probably the major thing 
that has made it difficult for us, maybe a travel blogging, but probably, I mean, clearly way more successful for you the way you're doing it now. And I'd like to think the same thing would happen to me eventually, because you're clearly passionate about the stuff that you're talking about that you want to help people with. And same with me writing about grief stuff. Like when I get messages in my inbox from like someone who's lost both their parents and doesn't know how to grieve and they're like finding it really hard, they're being really hard on themselves and like, you know, their mum died four years ago, so they should be fine by now. And I'm like, oh my God, my mum died 10 years ago mm. and I'm still crying like all the time. Like it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's your own process. And that I really want to help with. Whereas someone says to me, I've got two months to travel. Where should I go? I'm just like, oh, for God's sake, like, why? Google why it. Are you <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Moreover, like ask someone who's like made a platform about doing that, about uh, about giving that help, because you're right. Like, I don't have that as my modus operandi. Like, that's not what I'm writing stories for. I'm writing stories because I'm working on how I tell stories, like very selfishly. It's my own like way of practicing. And also... I just think that probably slightly arrogantly that there aren't that many people who write travel stories rather than just travel blogging. And I, and I kind of like that people enjoy it and I want that to be a common thing. I'd like it that more people did that. And mm. when I find bloggers doing that, I get really excited. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. Because I don't also read travel blogs really. Um, oh, apart from no one does yours, uh, Lauren's, there's a couple, mm-hmm. but basically my friends who's writing I like, and it, it, it yeah. tends not to be because I'm I look at their website and go, oh yeah, I really want to go here. I'm going to search for a helpful. I'll I'll go to different people for that, but I probably won't read their posts regularly. Yeah, if that makes sense. And also, yeah, it does. And also, I've I've realised that I am a complete hypocrite because the amount of times I like bash people for writing these top ten lists and like guides and stuff. That's all I Google for. Well, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to Google like uh, for things for Bali and and look for stories because I'm like, I want to work out where to go and I want to work out what to, what to do. And and yeah, you're right. Like, I don't really read many blogs anymore. I read the people I'm friends with because I like their writing. And there's a there's a small subset of people who I think write like really good, long form, like deep kind of meaty mm. like stories about what what they're doing and where they are and stuff. And I think it's relatively rare now. Yeah, I'd say so. And I think that's, I mean, that's fine. That's just the way the industry has gone. And yeah, But no, but still, Google does reward, um, the, the algorithm does reward you for, or reward your website for the length of time people stay on it and, you know, yeah. the authority within writing. So even if you're not writing those listicle style posts, but I think to your, po- to your point, yes, you're still getting the SEO benefit, but... Mm-hmm not as quickly as if you bashed out a whole heap of super practical short 600 word kind of guides yeah and to be fair like whenever I do write those they bomb like nobody reads them I can't imagine your people yeah 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 I can understand that um so I actually wanted to ask you some Mm -hmm. really practical tips for to help people who are grieving and that's a little bit different because we normally just talk about blogging yeah but I think that and I don't know if you feel this way but I feel like I've just got a superpower um since <laughs> <laughs> so it's my 10-year anniversary of yours. <laughs> yeah the 10-year yeah. anniversary of my dad dying next year as well um oh well we should we should go and have should a grieving celebrate? dinner <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. Dead, yeah. the dead parents club 
yeah it's an important <laughs> club to be part of it's very weird um, it's I think neat. I know what you're going to ask but I'll let you ask it and then I'll jump into what I was going to say because it's a, yeah you wrote a really good post about this um so in terms of the superpower I feel like the main one is that I feel very comfortable talking to other people about their grief I do not feel scared of it and I feel like I I not necessarily know the right things to say but I know that there is no right thing to say Mm-hmm. I know not to send flowers. I know that <laughs> sometimes maybe someone just wants you to send them dinner or take them out for a drink or whatever. What do, what kind of practical tips do you have? Because you wrote a really good post about this and it was really meaty. I'll link to it in the show notes. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, the. I'm actually scrolling through it now just to see what I had written. But, like, <clears throat> I think what I find really difficult about looking all this stuff up online is that you end up and I, I get why like there are tropes for a reason but I find that a lot of advice on dealing with grief is like really trite mm. like exactly what you said it's like send them flowers and you're like think about that for a second and deal with the fact that someone's gonna have to find a vase water them deal with the fact when they're dying put them <laughs> in the bin like they're gonna go moldy they always do and it's really really horrible to walk into your kitchen after crying for three days and find a moldy bunch of flowers on your on your like table it's not fun like, I think for people who are actually grieving themselves, I think some of the things that have helped me hugely are writing down how I'm feeling because, I mean, I am, you know, I, writing is my passion, so it makes sense. But a lot of the time I've noticed, particularly the last year, my, my grieving has kind of been quite ritualistic. Like I've had like kind of three days of being really upset, or like feeling upset, and then a couple of days of like solid crying. And then it's shifted and it's gone into a kind of cathartic, period and I've been okay again for a while and if I write those feelings down and like say what day it is and stuff it kind of makes more sense and I know that I felt better before so I'll feel better again in a week or so Mm. and stuff which is really helpful um and I think it's difficult for people to talk about it I get that but finding someone that you can speak to is so valuable like having someone just hear you out and one of the major things is like not just talking about grieving, but like talking about them. Mm, yeah. Because one of the things that's really only made obvious, been, been made obvious to me in the last year or so is like getting really angry when someone thinks that they're going to be having to hear me talk about grief and kind of cut me off. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, I just want to talk about the fact that like my dad used to say this really funny thing and it's just come back to me. Or like, you know, I've just seen something that mum would have loved and I want to talk about it and explain why she would have loved it. Like the, keeping them alive mm. is in your head and like keeping the 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 things that the idiosyncrasies alive is so important Mm. because I mean it very much depends on how someone how you lost someone but like with my mum it was such a shock it happened you know she went from being a bit ill to suddenly being terminal and dying within like two weeks and that's just it's a sucker punch and you don't understand what's happened and you're like physically your body doesn't understand what's happened and to not have any kind of way to bring them into the daylight as it were is really really difficult so if you get to talk about them a lot um I find that really really helpful I think Um, it it can feel really dismissive sometimes and I know that's not how people mean it to come across but it can feel really dismissive when you're told when you're sort of cut off in a in a comforting in a pseudo comforting way because (laughs) because it is really nice to talk about people that you've lost people I don't even like using that um phrase no neither. yeah people that you've lost I haven't I, I didn't lose my dad I knew where he was <laughs> no, but, I knew very much where he was. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah no I love talking about my dad and I love having the opportunity to do so so when Mm. I remember my husband felt really uncomfortable with it for the first few years that we were together um, and eventually I had to sit him down and be like please can I talk about my dad because I promise I'm not going to burst into tears don't worry (laughs) (laughs) but there's such a kind of complicated like internal process for them I think mm. of of oh god like if I talk about if I talk about the person who's died like are they going to be upset about it am I yeah. going to say something wrong and they're not going to tell me and they're going to cry like should I just shut the entire thing down and that's going to be better overall and you're like no no you need to understand in a very sensitive in a very like calm way you need to understand that I know what my triggers are and I or I'm learning what my triggers are anyway and if it gets too much you'll know like mm. I will start bawling or I'll tell you to fuck off or whatever and like, <laughs> like you will work it out but like if I'm saying I want to speak about them let me speak about them because it's not talking about how much you miss them necessarily it's talking about positive things and you need them to it feels really comfortable for me I feel like I'm kind of settling into like a really nice little little memory bubble yeah to kind of talk about them and like my parents used to like we had a lot of kind of familial language they were both act well my mum was an actress my dad was a director so so many like quotes and things to do with language and I talk a lot anyway, so like there's a lot of things that I'll kind of suddenly remember, like little phrases they said and things. And I want them to stay in my vocabulary. And I tell my friends them and I'm like, mum used to say this, like, can we keep saying it? Because I want it to kind of stay part of my life, stay mm. it's part of my daily life. And yeah, I don't know if people have that for themselves, but like for me, that's a really important thing. Yeah, I think that's so, so lovely. There's just giving giving people the space and permission to, to yeah just talk about the little what's what seems like little things probably to other people but yeah it's so wonderful to be able to keep the memories alive because you know like we're both 10 years on um in one sense but you're very fresh in another sense and like yeah. you said uh, grieving oh it's so complicated I didn't <laughs> deal with it for a really really long time and I, I still don't mm. think I have I don't I don't know if I ever will but it it becomes really really fresh again when when things happen even happy things like when I got married it became really raw and fresh and then when I had a baby really raw and fresh and then of course if my it well when my mum dies it will be a whole new grieving process Mm -hmm. so and it's really it's really tough Mm. but there was a timely actually uh, Nick Cave lost his son um his 15 year old son Oh I'm not exactly sure when it happened, but he fell off a cliff in, in somewhere and it was awful. But someone wrote a letter to him or like wrote a question on a, on his website and he published the response recently. And it was so beautiful. Um, it was doing the rounds on Twitter the other day. And just the quote that really hit me was like, to grieve is to love or to love is to grieve, like one of the two. I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, and it was just so beautiful. It's like that's the offset of loving somebody mm. is that you're going to have to grieve them. But it means that the two things are kind of undeniable. Like you're grieving because you loved someone. And I think like having that love being kept alive is a really important thing. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Like grieving is awful. Don't get me wrong. It absolutely sucks. And it has the ability to really, really mess you up. But I don't know if I would have, I don't know. Like I just, I feel like, I feel like it's been a, it's an incredibly self-educating process put it Mm. that way like I know so much more about myself than I did like a year ago because of what I've been going through and because I've kind of not stopped it from happening 
Like with my mom, I closed myself off from grieving a lot. And I was at uni and I just drank a lot and like smoked a lot. And then I went to San Francisco because I had a third year. My third year was in America because I was doing American studies, American literature. Um, So I went to America for a year and there was no memory of her there at all. Like she'd never been. I'd never been before. Um, So I didn't kind of see her anywhere. And that was really kind of therapeutic for me. So I just thought, oh, traveling, that's my big solve. Perfect. And that's also why I then kept traveling for like Mm. six years, pretty much, because I just thought that eventually grieving would kind of solve itself by proxy. And if I kept moving, like it would just end up happening. And it's only been the last few years that I've kind of been like, oh, you have to kind of let this happen. You can't kind of escape it. Like it's it's so many emotions that need to come to the fore and they need to be exp- experienced and expressed and and stuff. But it's really scary to do that. Like, it's really, really scary. And I don't think that you can tell yourself you have to grieve. Like, it's yeah. just how it happens. Um, and thanks to my dad dying, it's just kind of had to happen now. And I've had to kind of go through it with both of them and losing, like, my family because I don't have any siblings. So, yeah they effectively have lost a family as well as both my parents and that's a big um thing to kind of combat yeah because on top of everything else you've got the very practical um mundane minutiae of death admin to deal with um alone I mean I know you're not alone alone I'm but I mean (laughs) in a very kind of just in a yeah literal sense of your both your parents not being there and however old you are you kind of default to your parents, don't you? Very much. But I remember I went to a, um, like a travel, what was it? Like not a travel conference, like a show. One of the things at Excel. Um, and I met. It was really sweet. I met this girl who followed me on Snapchat of all things, and had <laughs> no idea I had anything else. That was what's so funny. She was like, <laughs> she was like, are you from the Explorer from Snapchat? I was like, yeah. <laughs> And she was like, you don't post on Snapchat anymore. Where, like, where else do you do things? And I had to like tell her my Instagram and my blog, my blog and stuff. It's really funny. Um, she was really sweet, but her, she was there with her mum, and her mum had like been told in very speedy time, like who I was, because we only met that minute. And her mum just said the most beautiful thing to me, and I, I kind of never really been able to forget it because she said like one of the most amazing things your parents can do for you like one of the last things your parents can do for you is to let you take control of your own life because while they're still alive, ultimately you always defer to them. Mm. And there's been so many occasions that I've been so pissed off that both my parents have gone. Cause I'm like, dad, why didn't you tell me how to use the blue and boiler? Like, mm. why don't I know how to reset the oven timer? Like all these things, but it's stuff that I just have to learn now. And ultimately it's kind of making I hate saying I'm a, I'm strong or like people who are grieving are strong because you don't get a choice in it. But it's undeniable that I have had to get stronger because of losing them. Yeah. And that's, again, not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's really horrible. I don't feel like it's the right time to have had that happen. But equally, like, it is a really, you know, self-creating thing. Like, you, you do have to then become the person you're going to be, you know, fanfares, all that. Um, <laughs> I'll add them in. <laughs> great good <laughs> audio audio tricks um but yeah like I, I think that's really important as well I think there's uh, so much negativity with grief but mm. there are hidden positives there are hidden not positives but there's hidden silver linings put it that way yeah I think yeah that's a really good way of putting it because 
Yeah. It's it's that really weird position where you're like, I would love my parents to be back, but also mm. I wouldn't be in this situation, which is great, you mm. know, with whatever whatever that might be, like a personality trait or learning how to use the void or whatever, if they if they were still alive. Which I'm sure there's not a very good trade off, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Living parents or a working boiler, one of the two. Oh, but um, tricky. <laughs> it, no, but it's true though, like I don't know what I I don't know what my life would have looked like if I hadn't lost my mum ten years ago. Mm. Like I don't know what I might not have been travelling to the same extent. I might not have fallen in love with writing. It might not have happened. Like yeah. and there's there's also just a huge amount of I know the way I write now is because I've had a huge amount of loss. Yeah. Like I know that people find my writing empathetic because there's emotion in there because I don't want to not put emotion in there because I feel a lot of emotion. Mm. And I don't know if that would have happened the same way. And I, you know, I luckily had 20 years of my mum was obsessed with me. Like she was such a loving mum. And I met a friend of hers recently and she was like, I think she just poured all the love she possibly could into 20 years because, you know, not like she knew she wasn't going to last for longer than that. But it just it's a it's a huge amount of kind of positive backlog to have behind you to have had a really great family, even if they're no longer here. Yeah. And yeah. Well, that is amazing. What were your parents' names? Sue and John. Oh, well, thank you, Sue and John, for sponsoring this episode of What She Said. It was <laughs> wonderful to have you here in spirit. <laughs> They'd have loved it. <laughs> thank you so, so much for being part of the podcast. And I'm sure there'll be mm. lots of people who want to get in touch with you now for various reasons, read your beautiful writing and chat to you about grief. Where can we <laughs> find you? <laughs> uh, so my website is floraleexplorer.com and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Flora Baker. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you can find me at Lucy Lucraft everywhere. But I mostly hang out on Instagram. You can find old episodes of What She Said over at lucylucraft.com, where you'll also find me chatting about all things blogging, travel, vegan life and zero waste living too. Lastly, I know everybody asks this and it's a total pain in the ass, but please think about leaving the show a rating and review. It makes a huge difference to getting the show out to new listeners. And for every review you leave, I'll donate £2 to charity. So that's £1 for you and £1 from me. The chosen charity changes each month, so listen out for it in the intro each week. Thanks for listening.